Hey, it's Hayley here. Before we get into this episode, I have a favor to ask. If you're enjoying this season, please share it on your Instagram stories or leave a rating and review in your favorite podcast app to help other people find the show. Hi, I'm Hayley Ferguson, and this is Beyond Reality, the podcast that explores the world of television production by chatting to the people behind the TV shows you love. In this episode, I chat with award-winning editor Karen Crespo, who has been responsible for crafting some of the most memorable moments on our favourite TV shows, such as MasterChef, Australian Survivor and Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds. I find out about Karen's early beginnings in TV and how her creative style and ability to carve out emotional moments became renowned in the industry. Being emotionally connected with your material does actually emphasise a lot more in your cuts. It's pretty crucial. Hi, Karen. Hey, Hayley. Ever since we worked together, I've wanted to get you on the podcast. And you're actually the first editor I've spoken to. So I'm actually really excited to chat to you today. Oh, hopefully I say good things that, you know, don't shame all other editors. <laughs> <laughs> the question I always tend to ask people when they come on the podcast is, did you always want to work in TV? Essentially, no. When I was younger, I was a very artsy kid, very creative and, you know, participated a lot in those dramas and um you know, drum productions at school and musicals. And, you know, as a teenager, I would have like a little camcorder and would make like my little drama friends do like short films with me and, you know, I'd cut them and, yeah, create little music clips and stuff. So, you know, I was really into film and I knew I wanted to get into the film industry in some way or another, but it wasn't exactly TV straight away. (laughs) And so did you, like, did you study it? Did you go to university? Yeah. So after um, I graduated high school, I went straight into a film school, um, so Sydney Film School in Redfern. And it's a it's a small international school, but um, it was uh, renowned for its working of 16 mil film and editing in 16 mil film. So you would have classes where you'd have to physically cut film on these steam becks, these old machines. And in those courses, I don't know, I found a real appreciation of cutting and like how decisive you had to be on making a cut, like your intention of that cut, because if you've got it wrong or like, you know, you can't, you can't just free play. Like, you know, it took, it would take forever to undo uh, what you did, like literally unstitch, unsticky tape the cut and then like try to bring it all back. It's, It's a mess if you, you know, if you're not knowing what you're doing. So you know, I found through that that I really appreciated editing and the intention of a cut. And, and um, I just found whilst I was in the course at that school, I, I really enjoyed editing and I was doing all like the documentaries and the drama projects that they had. And yeah, I just knew that that's where I wanted to be. That's an incredible introduction to the world of editing. I mean, <laughs> not many people in our generation, I guess, would have that experience. I know. And unfortunately, I don't think they continue that in their in their courses anymore because they are hard machines to maintain. Like they're, they're really old machines. Um, so I think they've had to scrap that part of the program, unfortunately. But I was very fortunate to have that time with something like that and really appreciate how it was done back in the day. And I guess getting behind an avid, like anything after that, it's like a piece of cake. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you really love the undo button, like, you know, control Z, like it's, it's your friend. <laughs> So So you graduated and what happened next for you? So, I mean, that school was basically more more around film, you know, and and drama and, and documentaries. So far from the reality TV or TV world, but 
once I did graduate, reality TV was really in full swing. You know, you had the shows like MasterChef and um, Big Brother coming up. So uh, once I graduated, I managed to get like a contact from a friend to a small post-production house that was doing a show, I can't remember the name of it, but it was one of those shows that was trying to blend all those formats. Like it was a cooking show, but a dating show kind of thing. Yeah. So I managed to get on board with that as a, a little uh, assembly editor. And um, from there, actually, I managed to impress the post producer that was on there. Um, his name's Rob Wallace, and he was going to be the executive producer of the next series of MasterChef after he finished this project. And so he asked me along to be an assembly editor for that, for the series three. So that was great because, um, you know, it really got my foot in the door by that point to work on like the really big shows yeah, and the rest is history from that. <laughs> So going back, what year was that? What year did you graduate? I think it was like 2009, maybe, or 10. Yeah. Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a big time in reality TV. I mean, I feel like it really hasn't stopped. No, it hasn't. (laughs) (laughs) It's a beast. (laughs) And so how did you find it? Like, I mean, when you were at film school and you were obviously, you know, studying all aspects of film production, and I guess got the editing bug there, you know, what did you have in mind? Were you thinking about reality TV? Were you thinking more about film? Like sort of how did how did that come about? Well, I suppose like when I first went into the film school, you know, I obviously wanted to be like the next big director or whatnot, like, you know, the next Quentin Tarantino. And I think everyone from that school was like that. And the reality is that only probably 1% of the, those people would actually get to that sort of position. But within the the course, you know, like they, it wasn't, just purely based on like what drama and film is like or what documentaries are like Uh, you know it was essentially honing and understanding what storytelling is and you know even though I didn't think of going into reality tv at the time I was learning a lot about how to craft and tell a story visually musically you know, using all those types of tools in that medium to to essentially tell a story. And so I found that that, that I was able to take into that workforce once I got into, into the TV industry. Yeah, right. Just to circle back, could you explain mm. like what an assembly editor does? Yeah, so an assembly editor, kind of like an, an assisting the the editor, though you would usually get given a very rough um, seen either by the producer or the the post producer or the editor of what they kind of wanted from a scene, and it's usually just like a few video um, videos linked uh, synced with some audio, and you know with markers telling you where certain things are happening, or you know can we hold on this a bit longer and whatnot. So you're you're trying to produce a little bit more of the cut um, to to give back to the editor yeah so it's usually just to try and assemble the scene with a bit more of of the the vision and and a bit of the pacing Um, it depends on the editor like sometimes they like you to go full reign and thankfully I had quite a few editors that were like go nuts you know throw put some music on put some sound effects in they let you give you that chance to try and actually really play with the cut to really understand what you're doing and sometimes you know if those editors were kind enough they'll give you some constructive criticism back which is really really helpful too an assembly editor is a very key role in helping developing editors like getting them to understand what the role of an editor is Um, so it's kind of like a training ship kind of thing 
Yeah. (laughs) And do you remember any constructive criticism you got back in the day? I had a few. Like there was some where, I mean, oh, I don't want to like toot my own horn, but like, you know, there was moments where like an editor had perhaps suggested, oh, I wouldn't have maybe cut that, like cut that music there and then let that hold for so long before the next part of the next track came in. And I was like, oh, okay, I understand. Yeah, like he was like, oh, it's too, too, it was too aired out. Like, you know, it was was prolonging the moment too much. You know, it needs to be snappy. It needs to be fast. But, you know, that ended up going into the screening what my cut was anyway. And so then the execs and stuff liked that. They liked what I did, you know. So I, I definitely would take on everything that the editors would say, but it gave me enough confidence to also try something different, try something new. Yeah. And how long did you spend working as an assembly editor? Not too long, actually, only six months, which is crazy because I probably could have, I could have still learned a lot, but they were enjoying what I was doing so much that they promoted me straight into a junior editor, which was great because then I would share an episode with, you know, a full-time editor and I would still get a bit of mentoring from them, which was great. So that was, that was helpful. But I I was an editor, a full-time editor within a year of working in, in TV. So that, that was pretty cool. I can't can't complain about that getting straight into it. Yeah, wow. And what was the first job you had as an editor like when you you were the main one, you know, you had an episode, like what was yeah. that show? So it was MasterChef. So I'm I'm very thankful for MasterChef because it it was a show that I grew in um, so as an assembly, as a junior, like the first junior shot um, job I got was with MasterChef and then the first editing job I got was with MasterChef again. So it was good having the consistency of knowing a format of a show to to work and play in to really um, upskill my crafts. And then like, you know, because I knew the show so well, like the format of it so well that I knew then how to bend it as well, like bending the rules of it. Yeah, so that was pretty lucky that I had that whole process from the beginning into into what then it essentially kicked me off into my career as an editor. Yeah, wow. I mean, and MasterChef is one of those shows that have so many episodes. So there's a real formula to that show. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to to understand that. But I think, yeah, having something that was so like, if it's not broken, don't fix it kind of show. Like there's a reason why it's 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 gone on for so long, um, why it's so successful. There's something about that formula that really works. And so understanding what that is and applying that um, every time you're working on the show, it helps you out a lot. Yeah. And, you know, in the job of an editor, I guess, can you just explain like your process as an editor and sort of, you know, what you actually do? So I would work fairly closely with a post producer such as yourself. And essentially the the post producer would try and map out on the timeline what are like the key story arcs of what's happening in that episode. So they'll put a lot of um, actuality or or interview grabs that kind of play out uh, how how that episode's going to go. And um, essentially you get that gets given to me and I would kind of first sort of work on, on um, trimming the fat, trying to make sure things don't aren't too airy or try to clarify things or space things out if certain things like the rhythm of of a scene if something is 
quite frantic, you know, I'll try and like play with what that energy is like in the cut with a bit more of a frantic cut or or spacing something out if something's really suspenseful or, or something that just really needs to land, you know, playing with that and spacing out the scene that way. And then, you know, you're trying to go through the, the vision and seeing what is visually going to help you tell that story, whether it's like certain looks or like GVs and whatnot. And then also a big part of reality is the music as well. And so you'll you'll be playing a lot with trying to find a particular track to convey what's happening in that scene emotionally or tonally. And you are working a lot back and forth with your post-producer to kind of really hone those scenes. And then eventually that gets screened to your execs and they'll also have notes and sometimes you'll have to unstitch stuff or like completely start again. Like, you know, that process is it's a bit of a, a hard, hard one to face sometimes when you have to start from scratch but um you know it happens like you're trying to convey a story you're trying to tell a story and there's a certain viewpoint that you're seeing it from and you're trying to tell it that way and maybe someone comes in and says oh actually can we see it from this person's perspective instead and so you kind of you're going to have to show and shift your scenes around to make that part of the story work so there's a yeah there's a lot of back and forth work it's, it's never just start to finish um unfortunately yeah it's a lot of a lot of work <laughs> Yeah, and I guess to put it simply, I guess a post-producer will give you a story cut, which is essentially the the dialogue, mm-hmm. a, a, a really rough cut. You do pretty well. Yours is too rough. Post-producers <laughs> <laughs> have very, very rough cuts, so you're, you're, you're pretty good. <laughs> oh, thank you. you. <laughs> um, yeah, so like a producer will give you their sort of rough version of events. It'll be a, a story cut essentially of the story that we're trying to tell and then your job is yeah the the pacing and then adding the music and I think what I guess a a cliche saying in the industry is like the editor will will make it sing yeah make it sing or work your magic yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) and sometimes you have to really work your magic yeah well yeah sometimes You might want to try and tell a scene that isn't quite, it's like a bit half-baked because like perhaps they didn't get all the cameras shooting it a certain way or, you know, you're you're really trying to tell something that happened in a very small moment in time but you're really trying to suspend it or like you're really trying to make a moment out of it. So, you know, you're really having to use a lot of tricks to your trade to, to try and, yeah, work your magic in that sense. But that's the fun of it. I think that is the creative part of editing um, that I really, really do enjoy and and it's always nice to see the results like where, where it was and what it gets to is, is it's quite quite a beautiful thing to see like it's like an artist looking at their canvas you know seeing the process that way so yeah I do appreciate that yeah and as an editor I think one of your greatest strengths is you know carving out those emotional moments and I know that you know you get given a lot of episode ones or finales or episodes where you know we're really trying to convey some emotion across and can you give an example of a time like where you've had to do this and sort of some of the techniques you've used to sort of bring a scene to life yeah well um a classic one I, I always refer back to I was doing the finale of a MasterChef series series seven and it had the contestant Billy in it and so it was the finale it's a big deal you know determines the winner and um 
the final dish that they had to work on. It was a pressure test and it was made by uh, Heston Blumenfeld and he brought in this weird concoction of a dish and basically it had this particular element in it. It was like this golden sugar ball and you had to really work this sugar substance and blow it like blowing glass to create this sphere of sugar, this golden sugar. It's a very technically challenging thing to do and it was one of the hardest things we've ever seen on MasterChef at that point. And essentially what we're trying to do is that Billy, you know, she's a few points behind, um, but she knows if she can nail this element that she will be able to get those points back and perhaps win. So she, her her mind is set to get to this element and, and do it right and get it on the plate. So, you know, there's a lot of stakes that is played out through the whole, you know, cook uh, to the point where she finally gets to this element and she's doing it. So basically we kind of wanted to give her a bit of a, a hero's moment a hero arc when when she started working on this element she was frantic and she was like huffing and like it was constantly she would blow it and it'll pop she'll blow it and pop and she'll keep thinking that she's got it and then it'll pop and so it was this constant repetitive like anguishing kind of job that she was doing and you can see it was mentally draining her trying so hard to get this element up so you know I would do a lot with the cut in terms of that that frantic repetitive motion of like you know blow pop sigh blow pop sigh and it would like kind of frankly get to the point where it almost feels like she's got it and then that last burst like we use that as a that like that was the trigger point for her where we literally cut out the sound of any music, anything that was happening in the cut. We were purely in the room and it was silent. Everyone knew that she looked like she was just going to give up, like she was taking her gloves off. She was like, I can't I can't continue doing this. There's, there's no way I can get this up. There was, she was literally on a point of giving up. So with the cut, we kind of wanted to go a bit, like you want to zone into her headspace at this point. So, you know, from from this room, silent room sort of tone that we've got, I brought in this drone sort of sound, this just one tone drone that is, it was very, very eerie and it was, it was as if you were going into her headspace. She wasn't saying anything. She was literally just looking like she was going to burst into tears. And then I brought in this particular, this piano key track. It was just two notes. It was just going ding, 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 but it was kind of like as if, I wanted to portray as if she was on this tightrope of giving up, of like, should I continue or should I stop? Should I continue? Should I stop? So this sort of rhythmic, this, yeah, I don't know, just a zoning um, meditative kind of place that she was at with this dreary, eerie drone underneath. So you were really getting that sense of her headspace. And, you know, then eventually George Columbaris would come in with his, like, you know, motivational speech and you know then we start bringing these drum drum beats like this kind of like call to arms kind of track to which you know she's like okay yes I can do this and then it kind of comes in with these horn tracks and it's like it's literally like as if you're back going into battle kind of kind of soundtrack of her galloping into this field into battle and so she goes and works this sugar ball one more time and she's pumping it she's pumping it and then it finally starts getting into a ball and then I stripped the music back completely and it was just purely just the the drums a soft drum which was like a heartbeat and you're like you're literally watching her pump this air into it everyone's like silently watching and then 
completely cut the track again and it's just the room and she then manages to take the ball off and like places it down it's this perfect sphere and then everything like erupts like musically it erupts we brought the like the cheering in from everyone and you knew at that point that she had, had done it and that you know she could potentially win so you know it was something that only happened like maybe five minutes in the actual rushes like it was a very quick and then into it kind of thing but you know we knew that that was definitely a moment that we needed to suspend in time to really get a sense of where she was at emotionally and then giving her that arc of like you know oh, I can do this I can do this to the point where you know she's victorious in the end so you know something like that it requires a bit of time and it's like you know you're just trying to find where those little gems are but like if you're using your tools right in terms of what it is you want to try and say and do yeah like the world is your oyster in that sense (laughs) yeah no and I love that and I think that is like something that's really important you know when you're crafting an episode of something and crafting a moment essentially like it's it's all about the context and the motivation behind Mm. that particular moment and what you're trying to communicate to the audience and I guess yeah just the use of pauses or pulling out the sound or you know bringing in um, certain types of music can completely change the way a scene is constructed and it's not I guess changing what happened it's more about like you know getting into the mind of what that person's thinking in that moment and Mm. then conveying that and making a a real moment out of it so it translates for television exactly exactly yeah you just you're really magnifying what happened but yeah you you need to find a way to really connect and engage with your audiences and and finding those moments of doing that is yeah it's pretty crucial from your perspective what would you say the difference is between a good editor and a great editor oh that's yeah it's tricky I mean like a good editor can like know how to tell the story but you know sometimes it can be a bit too smoke and mirrors and people can read through that you need kind of a bit of empathy and emotion being emotionally connected with your material does actually emphasize a lot more in your cuts audiences these days that can really see a bad cut (laughs) in in terms of reality tv too like music again is a very big thing that drives a lot of episodes a lot of shows and it's not a matter of slapping down a track and just crossfading it in and out like you've really got to be very intentional with what tracks you're using and when you're putting them in and when you're taking them out and everything so I think having a bit of an appreciation or understanding of some sort of music background kind of helps too and I found for myself like I did a lot of dancing as a kid as well so I I had I had an understanding of rhythm and pacing and visual movement to tell the story so I found that I've used a lot of that with my work and I find that that's that's kind of helped me take a cut and I don't know blow it up a little bit bigger to them what what it could potentially be so yeah I don't know that one's a tricky one <laughs> yeah I think you know music is a really important skill uh, mm-hmm. in editing a, a track can change everything and I think From my perspective, I mean, I've only worked on one episode of television with you and that was season six of Australian Survivor, Brains versus Brawn. Mm -hmm. And yeah, doing the finale with you, I just remember one of the first things you cut for me, I'd given you my story cut of the challenge and you started with this really emotional moment. And basically at the end of the challenge, we had one of our contestants who'd been in the, you know, worst possible scenario. She lost her mother while she was out there. And she was going through this incredibly 
emotional experience while she was competing in the final immunity challenge. And I just remember that was the one of the first things I watched of yours. And it was just like, I was in tears. It was just handled so beautifully. Yeah, I just, that was just something, a, a real like wow moment in editing. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I mean, like you said, that that contestant was, it, she had a lot that she'd gone through and it really showed in her face. And the, that particular moment in time where, where she looked like she was going to drop, you know, you could see the pain, you could feel it in the rushes, like you probably definitely felt it there on the day. And I really just wanted to respect what she was going through there. So, you know, I chose to hold a lot of shots. There's probably not too many cuts in that particular moment. Like I I actually chose to hold a shot for probably about 30 seconds, which is a bit unheard of, because you could see so much that was happening there. And, um, you know, I really wanted to respect that, that pain she was going through. And so I think that as an editor you like it's those choices that you're making which are pretty pivotal to to what you're doing and yeah again the the music score I think really helped it was a very subtle track I think it was just like this vocal track there's just this this single note sort of vocal track that was coming in and out of this droney sort of eerie sound and there was something beautiful about that track that really conveyed the solo intimacy of what was going on and you know it was great because she found a second wind in that moment too and and you know you see her then like pulling herself up and really trying to like hold on like she was really fighting for her last breath by that point so you could really see that shift and yeah I hope yeah I hope we definitely you know portrayed that I guess on that, I mean, do you feel a lot of responsibility as an editor when you get given something as emotionally raw like that? I, I think so because there's something, especially when it is a raw emotion like that, there's something so intimate that's happened there and they're so exposed. And I don't know, I do find I, I, I want to really take care of that person while they're going through that you know this is a real person and they're really going through something so I find that that emotional respect um, I I approach that with every every project I do so I think it is essential for the edit to at least be aware of what it is that you've been given and show it some respect as someone who's worked as an editor for a very long time, you obviously you work very closely with a post-producer when you're creating episodes. So what would you say, you know, makes for a good producer-editor dynamic? I think like an openness really. Like, I mean, everyone's going to perceive things differently. Like they can probably see how certain things play out in a different sense. So I think it's good to go on your intuition with things uh, on like on following a certain storyline. But I think it's it's pretty crucial then to also have an open mind from someone else's perspective on saying, oh, but like, you know, what about this? You need to be able to be a bit flexible with finding the best way to tell a story. I think that's a, that's a pretty big one. Like it, it is a bit tricky. Some people can be a bit hard in their ways. It's like, no, I just it this way and it can only be done like this and then they need to say it like that so you know and it's a bit hard as an editor because like so you would be given something that's it sounds right like it, it it's like a radio cut like it makes sense what's happening in the audio but when you like you're looking at the rushes and you can actually see something else happening there like some other dynamic happening or some other something else shifting in the scene and you kind of want to explore that I think it's kind of good if the producer is able to let you play and you are asking the producers like oh is there a way that we can open up and see what that person says because 
because I feel like this is reacting to them specifically too. So can we perhaps go into to that and see what happens there? And so I think it, there's a lot of back, back and forth collaboration that, that happens in order to really make a good episode. Like you kind of need to be able to have that chance to kind of go back and forth with your with your producer to really fine tune um, what it is you're trying to do. Yeah, I think that's pretty crucial to, to be fairly open. Yeah. yeah, and I think having that mutual trust yeah. uh, is really important. And I think that's one of the things, like I obviously, you know, really appreciated working with you because you are obviously a brilliant editor, but you're also a really good collaborator. You're open to ideas as well and you're great to sort of bounce off ideas because you're working towards the same thing. You want to make the best episode you can make. Exactly. And having a relationship between a producer and an editor where you can bounce off ideas, you can say things, you're like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work, but how about we try this? So what do you think of this is, you know, it's so important because, you know, there's nothing worse than feeling like, you know, the roles are completely separate. Like I'm going to do my bit and then I'm going to hand yeah. it to you and you do your bit. It's like there's nothing worse than that. I know. And sometimes it does fall into the trap of that. Like I have been in situations where it is like that. And then I'm like, well, what what am I doing? I'm literally just painting by numbers by that point. And I, I personally don't like working that way. Like I think as an editor, it's not purely about how pretty it looks. It's it's about really understanding and building your story. And in order to do that, you really need to work with your post-producer to, to get it there. So, yeah, I think that's definitely essential. What's the most annoying thing that a post-producer can do? Like what really like gets to you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't want to piss people off. <laughs> I, 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 name I, I, anyone. I won't name anyone, but like in my early days, I had a producer that would sit right next to me whilst I'm cutting, like I'm on the tools. And so the worst thing, and I think a lot of editors have probably experienced this once in their life, where um, the producer would come in, his, his hand was literally like here near my ear, and he would say, cut there up there, like literally clicking right near my ear. And I was like, oh, oh, like it's just that was probably the most, yeah, very frustrating thing I've ever had experienced in my life. And it's never happened again after that. Um, but, yeah, that or them reaching over onto your mouse or your your tools. Like, I mean, it's just, I don't know, it's, there's, there's space, you know. You, you have your space. <laughs> you <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> But like that, that happened so long ago. Like I, I haven't met anyone like that again. So, and yeah, I don't think that person's working in the industry anymore too. They've retired. So <laughs> I think that, that might've been a very old school way of, of doing things. Um, so yeah. It's good. It's good. I'm like, I'm just glad I haven't, haven't done that. You haven't so done that. I'm you, like, you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> like as an editor, what's your favorite job to work on and why? I've got a diverse range of things that I like and I think mixing it up is kind of what helps so I like working on you know those factual very soft very slow burning sort of shows like old people's home for four-year-olds you know it's just little miracles that happen kind of thing and little quiet moments that play out you know there's something really nice in the way you cut something like that but then you know on complete opposite to that like I love working on shows like Survivor or Hunted where it's just full-on energy and like you know a bit of mind games and you know there's a there's a lot a lot that you can play in the cut that way too and the score is very different and I don't know I think having that contrast so I do try and make sure that I do switch quite a lot between those types um, as much as I can so yeah I don't know I can't really pinpoint exactly what but I feel anything that's just emotionally charged like I just find anything that's kind of really showing what the human condition is like 
is like, you know, there's something that's happening in that moment for that person and, and what is it that we're experiencing and, and how do I really amplify that? I just thrive off any of those moments and it can be really soft and light or it can be like very high and intense, um, you know, a, a, anything from that spectrum. It's, it's, it's all the same in the end. So, yeah. I guess, you know, working in the world of reality television and observational documentary, like it's very fast paced. The timelines are very tight. You know, you've worked on so many different shows. What's the best thing about working in reality TV? Oh, I think the best thing is finding those gems and uh, really polishing them. Like it's, it's usually what I try and find every time I get given an episode. I'm like, okay, where are the gems? Like where, where are the moments that I know is going to really pop in this episode and those are the ones I'd really focus on the most because like that is what you're you're getting to yeah that's definitely my favorite thing to do yeah and I mean (laughs) you've been working in reality tv probably it's is it like 13 14 years now yeah probably be about that now yeah you've won loads of awards (laughs) what would you say is your greatest achievement in tv oh I think my greatest achievement would have to be putting reality cutting on the map like it's interesting when I go to those awards like the the reality tv category in the editing awards is only fairly fairly new and I don't know people always perceive reality as very cheap cutting you know uh it's just a a means of just doing tricks to try and like entertain the audience but I feel like I like to think that at least with a lot of the work that I have done that is I've tried to elevate creative reality editing a bit more to something that's almost more cinematic or much more artsy, much more thought provoking, much more, yeah, like a lot more relevant to the time. And like, I hope that that is what I'm doing. I I feel like is giving respect more to the editors, um, especially reality editors, that they have the potential to really create something very, very special. And they're not, they're not just cutting shit up just for the sake of you know, come shit up. So it's all it's all very well thought out. Yeah, I I hope that is is what I, I think is the best part of of my career is actually really showing the world what we can actually do. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, I know I keep coming back to this, but my experience with you is working on Australian Survivor season six, and that seg one that you created was just like amazing the shots from the outback like it was it was different from the other seasons because previously we'd only been on islands in Fiji and Samoa and so the outback looked incredible like the shots you chose the music and the pictures that you put to the words that I'd laid out like I recently watched Seg 1 again just because I was working on the finale for Heroes versus Villains and just, you know, watching that back, I'm like, wow, that was, it was really good. <laughs> well, that one was really fun to cut because, I mean, we we got some amazing footage, like the, the field got us amazing, amazing footage and, you know, with the with the dialogue, the monologues that you've put together, like, you know, the, the contestants that we had, like, you know, you really cared about those characters. It was just, it was just a one of those magical moments where like everything was coming together and it just like you just really wanted to make sure you're making it sing as well in the cut so yeah that one was really really fun to cut and score yeah definitely yeah I think my my favorite part about that seg one was the those two parts Mm -hmm. um there was (laughs) there was the moment where 
can't remember what George says in the thought track, but he, oh, he was talking about basically like outplaying everyone and like doing things differently. And it had Flick, you know, who's amazingly sporty and just like the perfect, you know, brawn. And she's like leaping over this giant log. And then you've got George like creeping underneath it. And it was just like the perfect like metaphor for their, yeah, their game yeah. style. I loved that because like, I think that again was just something, it was just harmonies, just everything was just connecting because it was just literally something that you found in his his interview. And I was like, yes, that's great. So, and then you just find that vision and you put it on top of each other and you're like, oh, boom, that's actually, that's a moment right there. So that's that's good that you remembered that one. <laughs> yeah. And I also love that the part that I always get goosebumps is when um, Hayley, who eventually went on to win that season, when she says, I'm the perfect combination of brain and brawn. And you have like this, like, flashing you can cut to black quickly and it's like she's just standing on this amazing lookout and it's just like yeah incredible. I think it started with like all three of them which was like one was a brawn which was in flick and then one was the brain which is George and then Haley was sitting in the middle and like yeah I did like a flicker effect whereas if they kind of like get disappeared and it's just then her on the on the thing like as if she's been merged into the one pretty much she was both brain bronze and yeah that was pretty yeah cool. I yeah. could do that symbolically with the imagery and everything too so yeah well you went on to win an Ellie award for editing in reality tv for that episode so yeah. something right <laughs> <laughs> What's the biggest challenge you've had to problem solve in TV? Have you ever been faced with something that's like, you know, mistake that happened in the field or lost rushes or something that you've had to like, okay, I need to figure something out? I mean, I can't pinpoint a specific moment because it does happen quite a lot. You are having to sometimes create a jigsaw puzzle with missing pieces. So there's a lot of problem solving having to be done with that and you trying to be a bit creative in terms of how else can I tell that narrative and I think like that's what's helped with shows like like Survivor and stuff where it's very symbolic with some of the the images that are, are used to help your storytelling along so if there's something that a particular contestant's saying that's very like villainous and like you know but they're just they're just we've only just got them just standing there looking you know out somewhere but is there a way that I can try and cut to really emphasize what he's saying and what is it that he's trying to do and you know adding like a snake shot in there or something like a snake trying to get to a, a prey like you're kind of using those visual cues and symbolism to tell what you're doing in perhaps more of an abstract way and so I think it's about yeah, it, it's it's always tricky to try and problem solve stuff, but there there are ways to do it and like classy ways you can do it as well. You know, there are times I've probably tried to do something and they're like, I don't understand what the hell's going on here. Like, what are you trying to say? Like, what's with the snake? What's what's the snake telling me? So, you know, sometimes it's a bit hit and miss. Yeah. I hate that though, when you're in a screening and you're like, you specifically put something in and you're like, oh, this is really good subtext. Like I'm yeah. trying to like get across this message because this is going to happen. And it's a shadow. This. And then yeah. it's like, oh, let's just lose that. And you're like, oh, that's the like, worst, especially when you put so much effort into to do that. Like, yeah. And it well, you have to explain it. it. You're like, no, no, no. But don't you want like you need to understand that this is why I did They're like, oh, I didn't get that. You like, didn't get that. Oh. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's tough. And you do have to take those losses when they come. Like, but I mean, it's important to try. Like, I think it's it's very, it's very important to to try. You've got to, you've got to do do everything to tell tell the narrative an interesting way of doing it. So or just trying to fix the problem. Yeah, I think that's my favorite part when I work in post. Every time I'm doing an episode, I always try and like 
obviously follow the formula in terms of how we produce whatever show it is. But like, I always mm-hmm. like to think of like, oh, that's how we did it last time. Like, what could we do different? Or how does the rushes that we have now and storyline mm-hmm. we have, how does that, you know, lend itself to doing something a little bit different? Yeah, no, and I think it's important to keep that freshness happening because I find I think viewers are now more and more intelligent with what they are seeing and and how they're getting information in. So I I think it's good if you can try and delve into those more complex ways of storytelling because it it does make the the viewers quite more engaged in what's happening. You You don't have to guide them so much anymore. You know, you can really play around a bit more with how you're telling a story in a different way. Yeah, it's exciting when you get down the road, like you were saying, in MasterChef and Survivor, like these these shows that have been going, they've been around for a long time, you can start to, you know, do things a little bit differently. Yeah, bend the rules. Yeah, definitely. But I feel like you can't like jump in and do that either. Like I feel like you need to kind of respect and understand what that format is in order to do that. And I think maybe being on those shows for so long, I, I feel like I can easily do that. Yeah, you had quite an interesting start to career and you moved up very quickly, which is amazing and a credit to yourself. But I guess, you know, it is an incredibly competitive industry. Yeah, what advice would you give someone starting out that wants to become an editor? Well, if you know that post-production is where you want to be, if editing is where you want to be, obviously there's a lot of avenues with, you know, assembly and assistant editors and that is perhaps the best spot to start because you're getting a chance to actually really watch through stuff and seeing other people's cuts and then when you are given the opportunity to put a scene together like go nuts like the stuff that you're doing you don't have to show the editor but if you've got a chance to actually play with a scene it's really good to to do that and then you can perhaps then watch back what the editor ended up doing with that particular scene and comparing it that constantly watching I think is really essential and 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 doing as much as you can so once you manage to get into that position someone will see your work and you will eventually you know move on up but I think you just need to put that time and effort in yeah yeah and I think that's great advice yeah the more that you can get practice in in terms of cutting or just being in the post environment because I think very early on in your career if you're just starting out like even just getting into post becoming a transcriber Mm. you know you're watching interviews etc but you're getting those introductions to people in post exactly yeah a lot of editors are very helpful too. Like I I do like try to make sure that the assistant assemblies are getting some feedback and stuff. Like an assist did approach me a couple of months ago saying, hey, I did this cut. Do you mind watching it just to see what it was? Like it wasn't anything that she was given. She just wanted to see if she can play with a tasting. And, um, you know, I was happy to look back and give her some advice and stuff. So there's a lot of editors out there that are happy to guide you as much as they can as well. So yeah, there are there are nice people out there. <laughs> There's no harm in asking. I mean, maybe pick pick your moments, um, pick your time. Like maybe not before they have to go get something ready for a screening. <laughs> but um, like someone like me, I'm I'm all up for trying to make sure I'll, I'll I'll make the effort to to help in what way I can. Amazing. Well, I would like to get to the quick fire questions. Nurse, <laughs> your time starts now. What is your favorite reality TV show to watch? The Bachelorette. What was the last TV show you watched? I watched The Last of Us. This might not apply to you. Who is the most famous person you've met through working in TV? Oh, it's hard because as an editor, you don't actually get to see anyone. Um, but I did meet 
Ray Martin. What is your dream show to work on that you haven't already worked on? I think one of these like zombie apocalypse drama shows. I think that'd be pretty fun. Best location you've been to for work? Oh. Rosemary? <laughs> yeah, I suppose, yeah, Rosemary's the best office. <laughs> That's such a slap in the face question. <laughs> that was a bit sad. <laughs> what cancelled TV show needs to make a comeback? Ooh, so you think he can dance? So not the cooking dating show that you did no, way back that, when? No, that never saw the light of day after series one, and that's that's okay. <laughs> Have you ever been on TV? Yes, but that was by like a B-roll incident. I was at the grounds with my with my boyfriend, and um, we didn't know our camera had been on us. But a couple of months later, we saw this uh, show about coffee and we saw ourselves on the screen and we're like what the oh someone will be in trouble for not getting a release form i know it was a very like distant like it was a very far <laughs> we could tell who it was like it was definitely us if you could be on any reality tv show what would you be on i think shows like the bridge are pretty cool i would love to do that and if you could have dinner with any celebrity dead or alive who would it be Ooh, i think like sam neill oh i don't know i, I love sam neill i think he'd be pretty cool to talk to I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me then. <laughs> well, that's it. Thank you so much for chatting to me. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been great. It was really interesting to talk to you because, I mean, I haven't ever had an editor on the podcast before. So I think it's a really different perspective and one that I think is quite a mystery in reality TV. We don't hear a lot from yeah. the people of Post, I feel. Well, the best, it's always said that, like, the best cutting is not knowing the cut kind of thing. So, you know, we are mystery people. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't want to see what we're doing, really. Because uh, then it means we're not doing it, our job right. So the best kind of cut is where you can't tell there's a cut there, you know? I love that. Thanks, Haley. Take care. Bye. Love this podcast? You can support Beyond Reality through the Buy Me A Coffee program. It's up to you how much you give and there's no ongoing obligation. Head to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash beyondrealityau or click through the link in the show notes to make a contribution. Love this podcast? You can support Beyond Reality through the Buy Me A Coffee program. It's up to you how much you give and there's no ongoing obligation. Head to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash beyondrealityau or click through the link in the show notes to make a contribution.